Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud with me, your host, Jackie Shea. This is a place to relate to the darkest days and be inspired by ultimate triumph. Each week, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, highly informed about something new, and connected to a tribe of amazing humans. Because the only way out is through, but it helps to have a tribe walking with you. Hi friends, I am so happy to be here and happy freaking new year. Oh my gosh, 2018 has been a phenomenal year for me for starters and enders. I have been healthy. I mean, I'm grateful every single day. I I didn't know that I would ever be as healthy as I am again, and I sure am. I'm even back in trapeze class. I'm so grateful every day. If you aren't already signed up for my newsletter, head over to my website, JackieShea.com. Download your free self-care checklist and get weekly health and wellness content straight to your inbox. I sent my sweet tribe some of my favorite finds of 2018 last week, and I really hope it was so helpful, you guys. I don't want you to miss these emails if it's your kind of read, so go sign up. I also share loads of info on my Instagram at Jackie, and of course I share lots of information in these podcasts. I'm really passionate about providing free content to those who don't have the resources to get content elsewhere. I also offer free consults to my audience, so come have a coaching conversation with me. It's on the house. If you love this content and don't want it to stop coming, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash healingoutloud or by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on any of your podcast platforms. Shout out to my patrons, author of How to Be Loved, Eva Hagberg-Fisher, and Coach Noelle Jenka. All right, ready? I am pumped about this week's episode with record-setting marathon open water swimmer Kim Chambers from New Zealand and subject of documentary Kim Swims. If you guys have heard this story, you know what an inspiration it is, but it this story is remarkable. It has hope and inspiration written all over it. Listen in to hear about what Kim went through to get to where she is today, why she ever got in the water in the first place, and how she stays the course. You do not want to miss this. It is going to set your year off on the right track. All right, let's kick it. Hi everyone, I'm so excited for this very special episode with record-setting marathon open water swimmer Kim Chambers from New Zealand. She has conquered great odds to be here, still very much in recovery mode from yet another medical setback. She is here today to to share valuable lessons from her story of perseverance, resilience, and hope. This week, she was inducted into the International Marathon Swimming Hall of Fame and is the first New Zealand woman to join this esteemed club. Her swims have taken her around the world, along the way raising $1.7 million for veteran organization. For Kim, these swims are not simply athletic events. They are journeys of the self, stretching her mind and her body beyond her limits. Among many notable achievements, she is the first and only woman to swim through a 30-mile stretch of ocean populated with the largest concentration of great white sharks in the world. 
no wetsuit, no shark cage. To learn more, be sure to check out the award-winning documentary, Kim Swims, Capturing Her Story, and available now on iTunes, Amazon, Vimeo. For more information, uh, go visit kimswimsfilm.com. Hi, Kim. Hi, Jackie. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I'm so, so thrilled to have you. What an incredible bio you have. So I <laughs> I was just, I feel like we're talking about someone else. <laughs> oh my god, I yeah. bet. I was just telling yeah. you that uh, my boyfriend and I were watching, we found your documentary randomly, Kim Swims, and we loved it so much. And I live in LA, the land of actors and filmmakers, and oh. I've been in that world for a long time. And I just, I think it's an incredible film um, oh, and, inc- wow. and an incredible story. And after the, the, the documentary ended, I was just like, I need her to be on the podcast. I need her. <laughs> um, so oh. I am thrilled to have you here. Well, thank you. And I'm the first to say I, I, I'm i just the swimmer in that film. Um, I have to give a big shout out to the director, Kate Weber, first time female director. And um, I think what is so special for me, uh, because it's such a vulnerable thing to open up your life to um, the world, essentially, uh, she captured the essence of me. So that's that's the biggest gift of this. So I, I hope your listeners will check it out. Um, it's She did an amazing job, but I'm just a swimmer. Mm, well, you're not just a swimmer. That's what we're going to get into. And she did do an amazing job and a big shout out to her, definitely. Um, and I'm so grateful that she did really, truly an incredible job. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, your story is amazing. The tag of the film is reconsider what is truly possible from within oneself. Mm-hmm. And and that's exactly what your story is. It's a story mm-hmm. of possibility. It's a story of hope. It's a story of empowerment. Yeah. So if you would, and and great courage. <laughs> Thank you. So if you would, please uh, tell my listeners why this is a story of possibility. It was really an injury that took you to swimming. Can you tell us about mm-hmm. that injury and what life was like kind of before 2007 and what happened? Yeah, so it, it really, um, I, I've been on this journey of, of the self, really, um, and possibility is a big part of that for many reasons. Um, first of all, I didn't grow up as a swimmer. Uh, mm-hmm. I grew up in New Zealand and I was a classically trained ballerina from the age of two to 17 and I became qualified to teach and I studied under the Royal Academy of Dancing and you know, there were times when I, I didn't want to dance and, you know, my friends were doing fun things, but my mum, you know, uh, had her way of encouraging me to continue. And, uh, I, uh, I really loved that, that, that experience, um, for the most part. Um, but I, I wasn't a swimmer. I learned water safety as a kid in New Zealand. Um, but sort of fast forwarding, I was essentially a gym rat. I was that woman at the gym who burns the same amount of calories, who does exactly the same thing on the Stairmaster um, religiously. Uh, and I was in, you know, working in corporate America in Silicon Valley. And I, you know, I was really interested in different things. Like I, I, I say it was superficial. So I was wearing really high heels, really expensive ones. And I was wearing a, a, a pantsuit and I thought I looked pretty good. Um, I was on my way. I was in a hurry and I get pretty stressed out when I'm late. Um, and I slipped down the staircase of the apartment where I was living with my boyfriend at the time. And, uh, I think my, well, I I know my heel got caught in my pantsuit, but 
I hit my head and then my my le- my right leg just whacked this big ceramic pot that I'd put there with a plant in it. And uh, I guess because I was a ballerina for so long, where you are taught to block off uh, the, any feeling of pain, you 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 really don't realize how serious your your blisters are until you take your feet out of your point shoes and they're dripping. Your tights are dripping with blood. Mm. So I I have a really high pain tolerance and. Um, and I'm pretty stubborn, and I, at the time I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know how to ask for help. I just I didn't want to be vulnerable, and so I just thought, well, it'll be fine. I just thought it was a bad bruise. Long story short, and because I was wearing a pantsuit, I didn't really realize that my leg, my lower leg, was swelling. Uh, I went to work, and then I did pass out from the pain, and then my literally my next memory is after they've done an emergency surgery to save my leg. Um, I was diagnosed with a rare condition called acute compartment syndrome, and that's from blunt force trauma to a limb. And it causes uh, your your limb to swell, so it's blocking off the blood flow, the oxygen to uh, keep your leg alive. And uh, I was 30 minutes from having my right leg amputated from the knee down. Um, so I am waking up after they've done surgery, and my leg is just looks horrendous. Uh, it's so swollen, and they're telling me, you know what, we, we did manage to save your leg, but to be honest, we don't know if you'll have any functionality of it. And uh, I was literally stopped in my tracks. And um, But I do remember that as, like, a, that was a very defining moment for me. I, I remember as soon as the surgeon said that, I was like, no, I'm not going to accept this. I, I, it was it was a, a very it was like a light switch going off for me, and uh, that started me on this journey of trying to prove him wrong. So I spent two years uh, trying to walk, and I had multiple surgeries, and that was pretty tough time. But I found my way through it, and then because I had been labelled as a patient for two years, I had been on pain meds everything and I, I'd finally gone off all of that but I I still wasn't fixed and you know I'm a perfectionist and I was horrified that I still couldn't really walk long distances but I just found my way it was just it was just instinctual to go towards the water and I started swimming in a pool and it wasn't pretty <laughs> and that's kind of where it began wow so Okay. And I was most concerned, the, going to the pool, I was most concerned about how I would look in a swimsuit with my scars. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I really relate to that. Um, mm. Before I got sick, and this is true for pretty much all of my guests, <laughs> before mm-hmm. I got sick, I was attached to a lot of different things. Uh, yep. my, my identity was wrapped up yeah. in definitely my looks, definitely my yeah. athleticism, and yep. definitely my busyness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm hearing that uh, coming from you clearly. I mean, you were a ballerina for starters, so it's that is an identity in itself, and it's really hard to yeah. not make that an identity. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, and then you wear the heels and you look good and you're feeling good, yeah. and I can t- I hear you, and, and I heard you say that it was it felt superficial. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and I hadn't even sprained my ankle as a ballerina. I just, I, I wow. just gone through physically feeling kind of invincible, really. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And do you mind me asking how old you were when you got injured? 
Oh, yeah. I just, so I was so afraid of turning 30, and then two weeks later, this happened. <laughs> okay, so you had just turned 30. And, yeah. and And so for me, too, like, I had been invincible most of my life, you know, and mm. I, I was 25 uh, – tw- sorry, 26 when I got sick. Um wow. And it's so – it's still weird because now mm. I'm, I'm turning 31, but it, it's still weird because I'm still adjusting to this body that is that – is, mm that does get injured easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but so I, that's, that's so wild. Yeah. And, and yeah. And for me being a ballerina, you know, you are acutely aware of every, every, every part of how your body moves. And so that was even a sort of a double whammy because I was, it just, it was so obvious to me that things weren't right. You know, mm. Yeah. Right. And so I know you've done so many interviews and and I think this one might be a little different than others because while I'm incredibly interested in your swims and what you've accomplished because of because of your injury, I'm also deeply interested in the emotional impact mm-hmm. the injury mm-hmm. itself had on you. Yeah. Um so And that's most important to me because like I said these swims have not been athletic events. They have really been these spiritual journeys of finding me. I mean, I know that sounds sort of very cliched and like finding oneself, but that's what it became because for these swims, you don't get accolades like uh, gold medals or anything. It's, it's, it, so they, so I love that we're going to connect on this, on this level because that's really the, the, the real essence of, of my journey. Yeah, that's so, that's, that's so interesting to me because, so mm-hmm. what took you to the water? Like, I, I hear you saying that what took you to the water was, was, what I hear, I guess, as you saying that what took you to the water is the inability to kind of do the athletic things mm-hmm. that you were used mm-hmm. to doing. I was mentally and physically just like stuck. And I, I, I just wanted freedom. Right. And, yeah. Right. So will mm. you tell me a little bit about like what, what scared you the most when you got injured? Like what were some of the darkest moments? Oh, oh wow. There were, there were a lot. Um, and I love that we're diving into this. I haven't been asked this question. Um, really, uh, I was so um, concerned with body image. Um, so it was just, I can't exercise. Like, I I might not ever walk again. Uh, my scars look horrific. I can't wear heels again. And I... It was just, it was so shocking to me because all of these things were just so, the things that I was worried about, I look back, they were just so superficial. But at the time, it was, those were things that were so traumatizing with me. I was like, how can I ever go out to dinner if I'm, I've got these scars and how, how can I wear this outfit if I can't wear heels? Like I had to wear these like special sneakers with these, um, orthotic uh, inserts and then a, a, like a brace around my leg and it was just it just made me feel awful it made me feel other and but I that was really the, a, a, a driving force for me because I did not want to accept that for my life mm-hmm. um, I did not want to I did not want that I I I was just horrified and, and, and the, you know I spent so much time being completely incapacitated in those early months and it was just you know you're just wanting to crawl up the walls because you're just in your head and what I love about exercise is um 
you know, if I've got something on my mind, I just love that that's how I process my thoughts. But here I was having to just sit with this and, um, and just let my body heal. And I had to, it was just, it was a very tested, testing time, a very trying time for me. Um, and with no guarantee. I think that was also part of it. Even though I was motivated to push my way out of this, I also, in my back of my head, realized that, you know, this this was unprecedented. So, um, you know, what if I didn't make it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I relate so mm. much mm. to all of that. Thank mm. you for sharing that. Mm. And so... And just, sorry, just one other thing that I thought of also, yeah. which is important, I... I, I basically hid myself away for those two years. I did not want anyone to see me that way. I just wanted to fix myself and then go back out into the world. And I had a boyfriend at the time who was was understanding up to a point, but it, it was a very difficult time. But I think that was also hard is I did not want anyone to help me or like I just needed to just dig in and get it done on my own. Right, because suddenly – you believed you were no longer valuable or worthy yes. as a person. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And that is so common. It is like the common theme in the with the people I talk to. And by the way, like most of the people I talk to are women with chronic illness or injury. And wow. this is what comes up. I just did an episode. Um, I just did an episode with a stroke survivor, and she was oh, an wow. actress, and she's left with um, paralysis in half her face. And she was, you know, she oh. is beautiful, but yeah. like her entire image has shifted. Yeah. And yep. we we had this same conversation where she just didn't leave the house for two years, yep. um, because she was yep. so ashamed, yep. and. Yep. And it's crazy because everyone has a different story. Like, mm-hmm. like for me, it was that I just, you know, had no color in my face, couldn't walk, lost wow. twenty, lost twenty five pounds, and that left wow. me at like ninety three pounds. I just looked sick oh. and not yeah. attractive, um, right. and 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 that made me not want to be around anybody because I didn't know how to relate to the world from that. Yes, from that way. Yes, yes. and we live in this world that. Um, that that teaches us that if if we're if we're not showing up as this and I'm using quotes as beautiful or perfect that um you you're not worthy mm-hmm. um and yeah so it, it, it's not surprising that you know your 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 um your guests are a woman with this this issue and right it's uh and it can damage someone um beyond repair if yeah. if you're not careful. Yeah, and look at what you get attention for too. Like your your interviews are pretty much based on your success. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. like and and that's great. Like I see that, but mm-hmm. I I also see how that reinforces this idea that we become valuable once we That's so interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is really the first interview that I've done where we're really diving into this and I I'm I'm very open to it. I I, I just love it, but it, it yeah, I have done you know interview after interview it's like oh and I swam this and I swam this and I swam that and had this record and that record but there's so much more depth to uh, my journey at least right 
Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing some of that. And I know yeah, it's, I know yeah. it's so relatable. And, and so what drove you, you know, out of the house and to a, I want to say to a solution and to mm-hmm. empowerment because staying in the house is like the victim place. Yep, you know, yep, and, yep. and you, you took this different road to empowerment and mm-hmm. to solutions. So what kind of, what got you there? I think it was just, um, realizing that here I was two years of my life and I had given it, you know, I was a straight A student, you know, you give it everything, perfectionist. I, the, 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 the doctor said I was like the perfect patient because I was just like so diligent about doing everything that I could, you know, I went to physical therapy, you know, from 9am to 1.30pm, four days a week, and I only missed one session in those two years because I had a cold or a flu. Um, I, I, I gave it everything, but I I was just, just finally fed up of being labeled as a patient. I was sick of going to appointments, and I was disappointed that I wasn't perfect yet. I'd spent two years, like, come on like why aren't why aren't I fixed and it it was also the mental battle because I was crawling out of my skin Mm. crawling out of my skin because I just I just felt stuck in the mud I could see everybody else living their lives and here I was wearing this brace and sneakers and I, I didn't work for those two years um and I I just I just craved a way out, like an escape. Mm. And uh, the, the, I I just instinctually navigated towards the water. And, and I maybe it's because when I was a kid, you know, I used to play in the pool and at the beach. And it, it was just, it was a freedom. It was, um, uh, you know, just unencumbered freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were. What I hear, what I love that I'm hearing is you were waiting for your life to be perfect to live again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what we do. Uh, yeah. That's what mm-hmm. so many of us do. We're like, once I get here, then I'll then I'll take a break. We do it in all these different ways, but you were like waiting to get to that perfect physical state to start living again. Absolutely. And it's it's uh I look back and I'm like, wow. <laughs> but it, it it it's this mentality that is reinforced by, you know, popular culture and um you know, we're sort of trained to think that, well, if I achieve that, then I'll be happy. If I, if I lose that much weight, then then I'll be happy and then I'll be fulfilled. And um, I've learned that that's, that's not, not the case. Mm. Oh, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> grateful you're sharing that. And then, oh, thank you. And, and I think in the documentary, actually, you talk about the freedom you experience in the water. And um, yeah. it's so interesting because it's not really like the water actually scares me. <laughs> but at the same time, the way you talked about it made me be like, ah, oh, the water is such a free place. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, mm-hmm. you make it so appealing. Um, oh, I'm so, glad. so what was your, I'm curious, what was your original intention? when you started swimming was it just to be free and in your body or were you like I'm gonna be the first woman to swim the Island? Yeah. no it really it just it just sort of evolved but I think um you know when I was at the pool when I got on the pool I, I realized that you know nobody nobody even noticed my scars so that was a big mental boost for me and then there were these two guys at the pool that were actually kind of cute and they started talking to me and then they were like you know, have you ever swum in the bay? And it was kind of a dare. And I will, I love, I love, um, you know, conquering a dare. And because they were guys, I was just like, and they were giving me attention. And it was just, so that's really kind of sort of what sort of got me in the bay. And 
it was November of 2009, and here in San Francisco, um, that's, you know, uh, the water temperature was about 53, 54, and they actually videoed it, which I'm grateful for. But, I mean, I and I was so skinny and had no muscle tone. I, I looked like a 12-year-old, but I, I just, once I got in that water, like, I, I guess because it just gave me such a, a boost of doing something that just ignited my soul. Um, and I got in that water and it was just like, wow, you know, I, I first of all, I couldn't believe that I'd done that, but also, you know, I grew up on a sheep and cattle farm in New Zealand and I love animals. I'm, I'm like crazy about animals and I'm not age appropriate. Like I've harassed every dog in my neighborhood. <laughs> Um, I know all their names. I don't know the owners' names. I'm sure I'm on some watch list of like, uh, yeah, that uh, the New Zealand chick that uh, talks to your dog, like, walk the other way. So I and I talk to them in my in like the stupid voice, but they love me. So when I was there in the bay, there were seals that would pop up and and sea lions, and I would just like talk to them, and they would look at me, and I was just it was just, I guess I kind of reverted back to the sort of wonderful childhood that I did have and um you know and connecting with nature and then you look back at the city and you're you're right in San Francisco Mm. um so and then of course you're in cold water so it kind of makes you giddy before you get hypothermic it's (laughs) you get really you get really really giddy and it's it's so fun it's just you're just yeah it's just it's playful playfulness you know, and that is such that is how I really believe in that as a, as an avenue to heal. Just the mm-hmm. creativity, the play, the mm-hmm. the childlike wonder. You know, getting yeah. us kind of out of our heads. And you're inspiring me so much because it is oh. it is so important. Um, yeah. And that's beautiful. And you weren't a good swimmer at first. No, no. I mean, you can see it in the film. And I mean, I it, love it, that. I was a pretty bad swimmer, but I. I just, I just craved that, just being there. And I wasn't even, for the first time in my life, I wasn't thinking about burning calories or, oh, well, that I was only in the water for 20 minutes today and yesterday I was in the water for 30 minutes. Like it, it, it ripped apart this, um, this, uh, sort of strict, obsessive mindset that I had been really trained to have as a ballerina. Um, and so it was just, yeah, it was just ripped apart, and I wasn't even thinking about that. It was just like, well, I, I hope I'm going to see a seal, or and I'm going to swim around that boat today, and I see a friend out there. And as as adults, we forget how to play. Yeah, yeah, we we forget, and uh, I, you know, and I I joined this club without realizing, you know, the Dolphin Club, and I later joined the South End Rowing Club, and the two open water swim clubs here in San Francisco, and they're sort of friendly rivalries and. Um, they they have the, the you know the highest number of um, English Channel swimmers anywhere in the world, and so without knowing, I'd sort of inserted myself into this. I call it sort of this secret adventurous society, where um, you didn't. Still to this day, I don't know what half the people do for a living. Um, it's just you. As soon as you walk through the doors there, you become sort of this like superhero for yourself you're like get in the cold water when it's freezing cold it's stupid your body's telling you this is stupid um but you do it anyways and um i just inserted myself into this community of people that just encouraged 
pushing yourself. And uh, I think that was really what kind of set me on my way. Huh, wow. So what were some of your first accomplishments? Well, I remember on my 33rd birthday, I swam from Alcatraz for the first time. That and, was quick. Uh, so you, that happened quick. You like, yeah, yeah. How soon yeah, after you was, started swimming? That was uh, seven seven months. So that was in June of 2010. I joined in November 2009. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I don't even know how long it took, but I I kept stopping and just looking around. I was like, "There's Alcatraz. There's the Golden Gate Bridge, and there's the city." And my the guy you have a boat pilot next to you, like in a wooden boat or a kayak, and uh, that's still to this day it's like shut up and swim Kim because I just keep talking I was like what like look at this and they're like because you got to keep moving or else you get hypothermic and or the tides will change or there'll be a cargo ship that comes by and you um so that was really I called it the first annual Kiwi Invitational Escape from Alcatraz <laughs> and uh we had New Zealand wine and New Zealand um I baked some New Zealand cakes and uh that was that was that and then you know I just sort of looked around at these people I would see on the wall you know the list of English channel swimmers and these were just walking gods for me and they would just be standing next to me on the beach to get in the water just an ordinary person and I just started to see you know the club has all these swims where you know you'll go from the Golden Gate Bridge to the Bay Bridge and so I just started trying these and um I just every time I, I I'd accomplish one swim it was like well if I can do this well, maybe I can do this. And the one of the amazing parts of this community, aspects of this community, is nobody like, why would you do that? That's kind of stupid. They're just like, that's a great idea. Even if they know you might fail. Mm. Um, it's like, you know what? It's a great idea. I, um, I can pilot for you in a rowboat next to you. Um, so it's just this encouragement and they weren't asking for anything in return. And all the while, you are seriously dedicated, just so that the listeners understand, you are training every morning, right? And training, yeah. and you're going back to swim after work. Yeah, yeah. So the, so the obsessive ballerina tendencies <laughs> did, uh, did bubble up. Right. <laughs> um, but with that, it was a, it was a different um, experience because I – I got to put on weight. I got to sit at home with a pint of Ben and Jerry's because that was going to insulate me from the cold because I don't wear a wetsuit. So, uh, right. But the, the but the I'm very routine. I'm very structured. Um, I've always been that way, and I just put everything into this because it was just it just gave me the confidence. I because I was so broken for those two years. I was so mentally and physically broken, and I. I I, I don't even know how I made it through. Mm -hmm. And so here I was accomplishing things and, you know, where I could look on a map of just San Francisco and say, I swam from that bridge to that bridge. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. One of the things I, one of the things I talk about a lot with clients actually is, um, the broken confidence that happens mm -hmm. when you yeah. get, when you get sick or injured or, or, yeah. you know, trauma too. Yeah. Um, yeah. there's this incredible broken confidence that feels, yeah. that feels like it's never going to mend. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. swore when I was sick that, like, I was never going to have that confidence again. Like, I was never going to be able to walk into a room with my head held high again. Yep, yep, yep. And so that's – For some reason, there's shame associated with 
getting struck down with some illness or injury. And, yeah. and my summer, I, we can talk about that. I, I'm, I'm in it right now again. So, right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's shame associated with it. And, um, but so, it is, it, it, it is when you are in those darkest moments, I, it, it's so easy to spiral out of control. And, um, because you're left with this hopelessness and, you know, your, your, your lack of strength, especially when you're sick or injured. And, um, but being broken is just, um, I've now seen it as an opportunity to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I now know that when you go through these sorts of experiences, because unfortunately most of us will, because life is not, um, it's not a smooth ride. Uh, and, and what I'm going through this summer, I, I, I wouldn't have got through it with the maturity I have had if not for that experience because I now know, without a doubt, when you go through these experiences where you are on your knees, um, if you can just find that, that sort of that, just that, even just that spark of, of, of willpower to break through, you become so transformed and it's a really beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah. There's beauty in these experiences. It doesn't feel like it at the time. <laughs> yeah. But um And that's yeah. what happened for you. You yeah. you got that like spark of self-will and you ran with it. Yeah. And yeah. and so I I can totally understand why this would have been the beginning of confidence rebuilding, right? Like yeah. <laughs> getting yeah. out there and doing it. Um and then and then you you proceeded to swim the Ocean Seven, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is the hardest seven of the hardest swims on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and you were and you weren't the only woman, but you're like one of very few people to have done those seven swims. Yeah, I'm I'm the third woman. You're the third woman and one yeah. of like how many people did the swim? At the time I was the sixth person in history, now I think there's thirteen <laughs> people. <laughs> That's so crazy. Um, yeah. I, I can't it. even process it. And I did it. I, I mean, I I feel like, I, honestly, I feel like we're talking about someone else. So. It's crazy. And you did yeah. this swim from Northern Ireland to Scotland mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Um, uh, that nearly killed you. Yes. Um, yes. But you finished it. <laughs> yes. I looked like a gremlin when I finished. I don't remember, but I, I did look like a gremlin. I mean, yeah. it's not a sexy sport, but I really did look pretty horrific. Uh, because you got bit uh, stung by like 200-something, 200, 200 jellyfish or something? Hundred, hundreds of jellyfish. It was like swimming through landmines, and they are so big. They, they're like the size of a, a, a Mini Cooper tire. Wow. Like the, gelatinous, the gelatinous bulb that sits on the wow. bulb that sits on the surface, and then their tentacles go twelve to fifteen feet below the surface, and it was just an unusual bloom um, that year. There's, uh, it's it's a it's a very cold stretch of water, you know, fifty three, fifty four degree water, so no wetsuit uh, from Northern Ireland to Scotland, and uh, I was in that water for thirteen hours and six minutes, and um, I I just remember like thinking I, I could see Scotland and also I just it was my last of the ocean seven and I, I I didn't want to go back there and do it again and I I knew I was in trouble I knew um because I was having difficulty breathing but I you know your crew is there to save you is you, you they have your life in their hands and my mum was on the boat from New Zealand and 
um, two of my really good friends, the first American, um, Darren Miller, to, to complete the Ocean 7. He was part of my crew. And so their, their job is to look out for you, and they are watching you for signs that you might need to be pulled on the boat, and then it's over. As soon as you touch the boat, your swim is over, and there's a, an official observer. And so I remember thinking, I'm having trouble breathing, so I need to change my stroke to make it look like I can breathe and swim. I mean, it was insanity. Um, but I was just like, I did not want to lose that swim. And I mean, you can literally smell the grass of Scotland. And, uh, so I I don't remember finishing that swim. I, I, I don't remember, um, you know, that was supposed to be a big occasion for me. Um, I lasted my ocean seven and, uh, I was put on the boat. I had become hypothermic, which I shouldn't have because I was trained for the cold, um, I hadn't taken a warm shower for six months. I I even sat in a kiddie pool in the backyard of my apartment with ice and cold water and would like read like magazines and my neighbors thought I was just completely nuts. And I would just sit there to train my body to warm up. I had I, I swear I have no scientific um, evidence, but it just whether it helped physiologically or just mentally, it, it, it got me through. So I shouldn't have been hypothermic, but my body was using precious energy to fight the toxins and uh i got on the boat and then i was would get, go back to northern ireland i'm put in a respiratory ward and then i'm in a cardiac ward here in san francisco uh diagnosed with pulmonary edema and uh mm. pretty close to dying oh my gosh yeah but you but you wouldn't take that back you you no. you wanted to finish it you yeah and i can't explain that 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 part of me um but it is it's just so a big part of me i i I, it it was worth it to me and i mean as morbid as it sounds you know if if something had happened to me on these swims i mean at least it makes a great story for my obituary but uh, you know it's like it's better than being hit by a bus i mean i know that sounds really uh terrible but um no, no, I at mean, least I was doing something I love. Right. So that's, that's, kind of that's what I'm getting at. Right. And I hear that. And I guess the dedication, I mean, the things you just talked about the cold shower, the ice in the kiddie pool, like, you know, I, I know. I know. Oh, wow. And <laughs> you, you trained for sleep deprivation, too. Oh, yes. Yes. I, yes. I've done that. Yes. Right. That so, was insanity. Right. So you're training for sleep deprivation and freezing cold temperatures. And I, I, I want to ask what makes this all worth it? But I, I don't know if there's an answer, if you have like an intellectual answer to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and these are great questions. Um, because I just, like my heart just sings when I, I, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself. And I, I, I love the feeling of giving it everything, everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't, I, I, yeah, I can't really explain it. Um, I... No, but I, I think I, that I, does, that your heart sings because... Oh, I'm just so fulfilled and having been so deprived. I mean, it was only, you know, a relatively short period of time. When you look at my... I'm 41 now, but it was such a um, traumatic two years for me of, of of just of emptiness. And, you know, when I was on the pain meds, you know, you just don't feel and your head doesn't feel right. And it's just so devaluing. Mm-hmm. And this just like fed each of these swims just fed my soul um you know having dolphins swim around me and i'd be squeaking back as if they could understand what i was talking about mm-hmm. it, it just i 
I just feel so alive when I'm in those moments, in those swims. It, it's just, it's just it's exhilarating and it's so primal. Like your sense of smell is heightened. Well, for me, it's just, you know, when these, these dolphins come up to me, that the fact that they know that I'm not something to be feared, like I'm sure they're just making fun of me. It's just, <laughs> that's, it's just so, it's electrifying. It's, mm-hmm. it's, even as I'm talking to you, like my heart's racing. I'm just like, I, it's just, it's just, magical mm-hmm. and it's contagious i'm i'm my heart's racing i'm listening you know because that kind of that kind of electricity is totally contagious when somebody is living oh. in their truth in that way yeah in their yeah. authenticity in a way that makes their heart sing it is so contagious and inspiring oh. and i oh, think it means a lot i think it serves the whole world um thank you so let's take a break for the weekly challenge and then jump into the big Fairlone island swim Welcome to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It helps. Okay, let's hit this week's challenge. Okay, Kim, what is the weekly challenge? Okay, I am challenging each of you to spare just one minute. And I want you to think about something that scares you. Don't put too much thought of it. Just one minute. What scares you? And I challenge you to face that fear. Mm. And I promise you, you might be surprised at the results. Mm. And it could be as simple as replying to an email. or Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. Yeah. or asking someone out. Or, I mean, I, you don't have to swim from one country to the next. Um, that that I'm, not, I'm not advocating <laughs> for that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not telling you to swim through shark and have waters. It, it, it's it's what's what's relative to you, and it could be as simple as yeah, replying to that email that has just been weighing on you, or, or or approaching someone that you've always wanted to approach, or losing five pounds, or yeah, it doesn't have to be this big thing. It's just uh, something that scares you because it's human nature to recoil from that which scares us. But it might be you a know. big thing. Yeah, it could be. I hope it is. Right. And so so you're saying to write it down and commit to facing that fear. Yes. And I love that. And I'll tell you the secret to, for me, of facing my fears is encouraging someone, finding someone who believes in you and can sort of shepherd you through that. So I I wouldn't be where I am today if – certain people hadn't believed in me when nobody believed in you. And it's about creating this little bubble of, of, of positivity and uh, purpose and possibility. So mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to do it alone. That's what I'm – right. I think that's the key thing. That's, I, I, I learned that. That's your secret to facing fear is that you don't yes. have to do it alone. And yes. I've, I've heard you say that fear should be one of your goals. And I am obsessed with this. Um, I, 
I watched a TED talk of yours or a TEDx talk oh. of yours and that was just so inspiring and I'm going to, I'll link to oh. it definitely in the show notes, Thank but you. it is, yeah. you know, you say. Swimming with sharks before breakfast, I think is the title. Yes. Yes. Swimming <laughs> with sharks before breakfast. <laughs> um, uh, so, and I, I, when I watched the, the TED talk, I was thinking a lot about what is, what are, what are the fears that I'm that I'm uh, not facing right now because I'm all about this too. I'm all about courage and feel the fear and do it anyway. But there is this big thing. There is this thing that I'm terrified of right now that I'm not doing. And um, it's given me – just listening to you gave me so much clarity and so much – I don't know, uh, fuel to really, you know, write it down and commit to it. And I'm going to do it. And uh, I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot and, and I, I'm, I would understand if you said no, could you give us a hint as to like, yes, maybe this, I can tell you, is. I can just tell you what it is, even though I'm awesome. so afraid even to tell you guys what it is, but everybody <laughs> knows. So the reason why I even started this work is because I'm an actress and I was very sick and my friend, I was like, do I need to become a doctor or something like to make uh-huh. this experience? worth it and my friend Juliet said no why don't you just do what you do best and write a one woman show about it and it made so much sense to me and it clicked in with me but I was too sick so I started my blog and then I got well and then I started my podcast and I've done all of these things just skirting around the edges of writing and doing my one woman show Wow. And I'm so afraid of doing it. And it is the thing, and I've been saying this, but you really brought it up to the point where I was like, okay, I need to pop that shit. Like, I need to just go do it. But I, um, so yeah, so I'm just, it's the thing I'm most afraid of. And it's the thing I know I need to do more than anything else. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you're inspiring me because I am afraid of something right now. And I've gone through a, my fourth near death experience, um, this summer. And, uh, I'm not trying to set a record, by the way, but um, and I know where I want to be, but I, I'm kind of like uh, I'm stuck because it, it's just like I know I just have to like get over this fear of um, of, of failure, and you know I kind of I know my purpose, and I know what makes my heart sing, but I'm 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 not fulfilling that entirely right now. Do you want to tell us what it is? Or no. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I really would just love to be out in the wild as a full-time speaker. Um, I love connecting with people. Uh, I get to do that. So I work at Adobe and it's been a fabulous place for me. Um, and you know, I do a lot of public speaking with them, but I just feel like I, you know, when you come through having, you know, having almost died four times, you're like, well, hang on, maybe I am here for a reason. And maybe it's not just purely for entertainment purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I I love connecting with people and helping people, and I, I just want to do that on on such a large scale. But you know, it, it's it's scary to think of lo- leaving an environment which is so positive and wonderful, and you have health insurance and you have regular paycheck. Mm-hmm. It's just it's yeah. I know. Oh, and I can't wait for you to make that a reality because I know you're going to and it's going to be amazing because I I just think – I think you have so much to offer, truly, truly. So thank you. It's even harder because I'm not leaving – not wanting to to depart from something that's bad. It's beautiful. I love where I am with work, but I just – I know I need to go bigger and it's just – 
Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you're sharing that. And <laughs> I bet so many people are listening and relating and being yeah. like, me too. I have this thing yeah. and I don't want to yeah. leave. And so. Yeah. And here I am saying, well, if you think you can't do something or if you're afraid of doing something, that's what you, know, you should do it. And I'm like, uh, I said those words. So <laughs> I should buy it. Like, I, I, I got to do it, right? You know, right. so, yeah. Right, right. And so you you did this, with this fear, you did this crazy, insane, terrifying swim uh, where you swam the Farallone Islands. Uh, you're the only woman to have ever done it. And I think you're only one of three or four, a handful of people who's ever done it. Yeah. Um, I know I, I, I want to know what you were afraid of and I know everyone thinks that it's sharks. It was their mm-hmm. great white mm-hmm. shark infested waters. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked my boyfriend who's also a very big fan of yours um, <laughs> what I was like do you want is there anything you think I should ask Kim and he said yeah was she shit scared of getting eaten by a shark <laughs> and I was like I bet that's what everyone thinks um, but I don't think that's what actually scared you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the nature of of this unthinkable yeah. swim and what scared you yeah yeah and first of all i i, I because i love the ocean and i i i'm always careful to call it shark inhabited because mm. it's their living room mm. right um, uh, yeah right. But there was some, before i get into your answering your question there was a thing on facebook just before my swim and it just said you know if someone came into my living room in the middle of the night just wearing a speedo i'd probably kill him too and <laughs> you know here I am going into their living room in the middle of the night. Um, right. So shark uh, inhabited, I, of course. Yeah. Thank you for it, thank yeah. you for enlightening me. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, it, it's their you know it's their space. As humans, we're ill-equipped to be there. But I had fallen in love with these islands because I've been on several other relay swims out there, and it's you know thirty miles off the coast of Northern California. It's uh, just a few miles from um, east of the continental shelf. And it is uh, a marine sanctuary. Um, you know, the public cannot step foot on on the island. I did get the opportunity with the scientists to to do that after my swim, but it, and I, it's just it's just this jagged outcropping of of rocks in the middle of the Pacific, and it it just looks so eerie. Um, my mentor Vito Viala, who captained my swim, he said to me one day, he said, "It's like being in heaven and talking to the devil at the same time." Mm. When you're in, yeah, because it's so foreboding and 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 just um, you know, but it's just teeming with wildlife. You know, there's you know seabirds and 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 seals and sea lions and you know you've got the the sharks obviously. And I um I just I fell in love with those islands and it is really my spiritual home. And I. I'd swim out there dozens of times just on the weekends. We'd go out there and just get in the water and it is crystal clear. You can see 50 feet in either direction. And I, you know, I captured all these videos with my GoPro. I'd have all these seals just like swirling underneath me and just a few feet away, just popping up and just looking at like, what the heck is in our water? Like, what is this? But there was just this playfulness. They weren't afraid of me. And, um, it just really nurtured my soul. And so, but every time I was out there, I feel, because I think of this spiritually, I felt like I'd paid deference to those islands. Um, I've always respected those islands. I have never, uh, you know, every time I got in the water, you know, it, I've just sort of been open to surrendering to that space. I, 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 I haven't 
it never gave off sort of this um, terrified uh, vibe because I also know that, you know, coming growing up on a farm, that animals detect fear. And if they detect you're fearful, then they're thinking, well, shoot, what am I supposed to be afraid of? Is there something I should be afraid of? So I, for whatever reason, I've always approached it just with playfulness and openness. And so I felt that I had paid deference to those islands. And, um, you know, I, 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 I walked a labyrinth in a, in a cathedral here and I just had this mantra of just, I'm just passing through. And that was what I had hoped would happen. But yes, I am terrified of sharks. Mm. I am not, um, you know, saying that, you know, I'm, uh, I'm terrified of them. I have a healthy respect for them, but they, I also know that they're pretty intelligent and I just really feel like I had just respected their space. It was just, it's just, a, it's just a, a feeling that I got every time I was out those islands. I can't, I mean, it makes me sound even crazier, but it just, it's, it's a really special place. And so I was pretty afraid of getting eaten by a shark. Um, but the strange thing is, and I still can't really comprehend this in my brain three years later is that, you know, nobody was forcing me to do this swim. And, and two weeks before my swim, my training partner had attempted it and he had been circled by a 20 foot great white shark. So it was, everything sort of became very real, the risks of the swim. And there were people saying you shouldn't do this, but I, the part that I really can't understand is that there was no part of me that was just not going to do it I was going to do this and I was willing to put myself in a place of danger um, because I got in that water at 11 15 at night um, 30 miles off the coast of California 11 15 at night it was a Friday night and I remember thinking I when I slip into the water I do not know if I am slipping into the mouth of a great white shark you it, the possibility of them just swimming or, I, I didn't know it was just that was terrifying for me, but it was just the surrender. I had prepared not to come back. I had done my laundry because I was like, I don't want people to see my, you know, dirty underwear and <laughs> dirty oh, wow. sheets. Like, I really, I paid all my bills. It was a very strange experience leading up to the swim. And I just wanted my affairs in order just in case I didn't come back. Um, but I was willing to do that. So I'm still trying to reconcile that in my brain. But the, the, the thing that I was most afraid of was I had made the swim very public. So there was, there was media were alerted. Um, I did interviews just before I got on the boat to go out to the islands. And I had a GPS tracker so that um, people could follow along in real time where I was on a Google map. And as we were taking the boat out there, I was thinking, what if I can't get in the water? Like, mm. how embarrassing would that be? And then the thing I was most afraid of was failure because mm. it was public. And if I had to get on the boat because I was cold or something, like, how embarrassing that would be. That was what I was most afraid of was failure. Mm. It's crazy to think. It, that I was just – that was what I was most afraid of. I um, – yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. when we put ourselves out there publicly, you know, that becomes the fear that we're going to fail publicly. Yeah. And there were people that were very vocal about, well, this is a stupid, crazy woman, you know, and um, I, I do like to prove people wrong. Right. Um, <laughs> that's kind of what motivated me to prove the doctors wrong. Um, right. So 
but I, I just wanted that because I just feel such a connection to those islands. And I, I still, I, 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 I watch the film and, and it captures me getting in the water. And I remember sitting, you know, just like just at the edge there and, you know, that the water's lapping at my feet and I didn't want to put my feet in the water cause I didn't want them to get bitten. Mm. And, um, and I really needed to pee mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, because you hydrate and I was just like, well, I don't want to let the sharks know that I'm there. Uh, so I, I just, I waited for like three or four hours. So this is probably TMI, but it's, um, there's so much that goes into this. And, and before I got into the water, my, my mum was on the boat as well. And, uh, I was just sort of having this moment where I was like, okay, can I, I hope this is when I, the second when I jump in, I'm not, going into the mouth of a great white shark and my mom sort of pops her head over and she's like well hurry up then and I'm like mom I'm having a moment here like you know but everyone was so amped up on adrenaline it was just like just got to get in the water and get me out of that zone around the pharaohs so right but yeah I was just like mom I'm having a, like a, a moment of like you know just one questioning my sanity so kim when you're on the swim like once you Mm -hmm. start swimming are you afraid you you finish the swim and Mm -hmm. it took you 13 hours 17 17. something something 17 hours so for 17 hours you are swimming in very cold water Mm -hmm. not touching a boat not touching Mm -hmm. anyone alone in the water you're getting no wetsuit no wetsuit just a just a bathing suit, a, yep. a cap, and yep. goggles. Yep. Yeah. And earplugs. And, and earplugs. And they're throwing, you know, smoothies over the edge of the boat for you to drink. Yep. Because yep. <laughs> you can't chew and swim at the same time, so it has to be viscous. Yep. Okay. And you're hydrating. Yep. And, um, and – I was vomiting through the whole night. So I um, – I, I, for some reason, like my nerves and um, – Something always goes wrong on these swims. Oh, it just sounds so uncomfortable. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) is it so? And you're like chafing. (laughs) Oh yeah, and you are, and you're you're just in my mind. um, It's just a conversation with myself because I have learned that if you tell yourself you can't do it, I guarantee you can't. And but you're fighting that the whole way because you're thinking, well, I just vomited for the last three hours. I haven't had any calories and. When if the fuel is really important because it's like put it, it's like stoking the fire. It's like putting another log on the fire to keep you warm. Mm. And uh, you know, in your head, you're you're analyzing that, and you're like, well, I I, I can't finish the swim because I haven't had the calories I need, and I'm getting cold. And then you're like, no, you're not getting cold. And then it's just this back and forth of, um, and sometimes you go for me, you go through a very very negative space, and it's uh, I feel like it's just sort of you're just sort of going through this field and you've, you've got this machete and you just kind of slash your way through it and um then you break through and you actually enter this state of flow where there's many hours that are i can't account for during that swim because it's just you're just in that state of um like bliss um, right you're not in your mind you've like broken through your yeah. mind and you're just in yeah. your body Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But were there parts of the swim that you wanted to give up or you actually considered giving up? Yeah, the vomiting was very, very difficult for me because I was like, there's just no way I'm going to go, you know, 15 more hours or 10 more hours with no food. Um, but when I, I, 
I always I learned that you should never like put your head up and look at your destination. Like you know when you're done, like when you hit land. And but uh, well, I, I I couldn't help myself, and I I looked up and I could see, when daybreak happened, and a few hours later I could see the Golden Gate Bridge in the distance, and that was my finish line. And when things are in the distance, you know how they've sort of got this bluish tint. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out where how far away I was, but I. It just didn't seem – I was waiting for it to turn into that international orange to know that I was close. And it just I, – I was, like, beating myself up because I kept looking, and I knew I shouldn't have been looking. Um, uh, so, you know, and there was a part where I, w- I was also mindful because you're timing it based – the reason I jumped in at that time was because you're basing it on the speed of my swimming and the tidal movement. So – I, I needed to come under the Golden Gate Bridge on an incoming flood because if there was even just a little bit of an outgoing ebb, there's no way, even if I was two feet away from the bridge, there's no way I'd get under there. Mm. And I was so concerned that I was running out of time. And uh, But then there, there were these moments where I knew it was within reach and I just kept crying. I, I just, um, and even telling you right now, it was so emotional because you know you're about to achieve, achieve something that's really special and you've given it everything. And I just, I just cry. I just, I couldn't stop crying. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And then you finish the swim and this is yeah. Ian, Ian is my boyfriend. Uh, Ian and yeah. I were like, you, you like got in the ocean like two days later. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually, I went to the ER afterwards. So I'm like a homing pigeon with the hospital. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I had to, cause I was still vomiting and I, I had to have IV fluids and, um, my mum was sharing my apartment with me and, you know, all of my crew kind of just figured, well, you know, she's going to be there for the night, you know, we'll catch up with her. Well, they, um, discharged me at midnight because all I needed was IV fluids and I'd shown up with my swimsuit. You're covered in lanolin. And it's like you smell like a wet sheep because lanolin's from sheep. And we, we use that to prevent chafing. I've got my swim jacket and a beanie. So they release me and I show up at my apartment building here in San Francisco and I don't have the keys. My mum, uh, her phone, has, you know, it's off. And I was like, I'm on the street. I look like a homeless person. And I had to wait for somebody to come into my apartment building and then, you know, I, you know, came home here and my mom was like, Oh, I thought you'd be there, you know, until tomorrow. And so that had happened. And, um, oh my God. I had all these, I had all these interviews. And then two days later I got in the water and, um, yeah, we were like, yeah. we were like, Ian was like, she's in the water already. <laughs> we, were, we were both like, yeah, I know that's like take a year off from life. <laughs> I know, right? It was just because I just, um, it's amazing. Well, and there's a part of me that just really can't, I just can't connect with. It's just, it doesn't seem like I did it really. I know mm. that sounds stupid, but no, no. I mean, I imagine that in order to push yourself through to get to the end. Um, yeah. you had to sort of feel like it wasn't even you really. Yeah. Di- yeah. So dis- dislocating your yeah. mind from, uh, from it. So yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I still can't believe I did it. So, and it's- I didn't do it alone. I, 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 I share my achievement with my crew and everyone who supported me. Right. And you talk a lot about that. You, you know, you don't do it alone yeah. and you yeah. get a lot of support. And so this was in 2015, right? Yep. Yep. 
Um, so it's been a few years and so it's been three years and I know now you are going through it again. Um, you're, you're going through, how do you pronounce it? Gillian Barr? Guillain-Barre. Guillain-Barre. So completely yeah. different. Um, okay. I've, I've had to learn how to say it because I, I had no idea what it was. And it, it's a rare nerve condition. So another rare um, experience for me. So you got Guillain-Barre and, yeah. I don't, uh, and, uh, and then you were paralyzed from the waist down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Six months ago, I, um, I watched in real time as, as if I had been – uh, hijacked by some alien, uh, I watched my body uh, lose feeling. And I was in a huge state of denial because I think subconsciously I knew that if I didn't, if, well, if I don't go to the hospital, then it, it's not a problem. But if I go to the hospital, then it's it's going to be diagnosed as something and then I'm going to be in hospital. But I, I watched with horror as um, within hours, just a matter of a few hours. So... Hmm. That must yeah, have been, ho- yeah, horrifying. Yeah, and they think I was about 60 minutes from it paralyzing my respiratory system. So. Whoa. Yeah, An- another, so, uh, like, 60 minutes from almost, yeah. wow. And and does this, was this like a flare-up or it was just something that came out of nowhere or? Yeah, so they don't know how I got it. Um, typically, it it travels, it, so it's a syndrome. It's not a disease. It's not contagious. But it, it the way that it, it is transported around the world is through a virus and most people are, are like have a flu before um they get this but i was in t- like excellent shape um and even the hospital blood work organs perfect um so i just woke up one morning and my left foot was completely numb and i just thought well i've just slept on it wrong it's asleep it'll wake up mm-hmm. and i mean it, it's really weird the things that I did I was like I had a lavender bubble bath because I was like oh well maybe this will help Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um you know and then I remember being very concerned about because you're in this sort of state of shock and I remember really being very focused on what I would wear to the hospital because I kept thinking well they're gonna have to roll up my sleeves you know to take blood work or whatever it was just so strange and I didn't it didn't even occur to me to call an ambulance I called an uber <laughs> so I, I think I'm on a, a watch list for Uber as well because the guy was pretty traumatized. I was like, "Look, we are six minutes from the ER. Let's do this." Oh my god, he's yeah. like, he's like, this is not my job. <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's just funny what you do in these moments, you know? Yeah. We all react differently. I guess. Yeah. Were you diagnosed quickly? They knew what it was. They actually, it took five neurologists to agree on what was going on, but they, I was in the ICU and, you know, I remember they kept checking my breathing because that was what they were worried about. But um, there was, con- there were concerns that it could be MS, mm. but um, my case, uh, I'm going to be a medical case study because my experience is quite unusual. The paralysis was pretty, very aggressive. And then equally so, my recovery has been amazing. Um is your was, recovery different than it usually goes? You've you've had a mm-hmm. oh, okay yeah yeah, and so I was treated with antibodies, so I wasn't in any pain whatsoever, which is crazy. I did get severe nerve pain at one point because the nerves were firing up, and I just white knuckled that because I'd been on nerve pain when I had my other leg in, you know leg injury. So, um, but I found that I found power in um, not 
um, using the, the pain meds because I, I wanted to get back control of my, my, my body. Yeah, you had such a negative experience with pain meds. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. So it was just, um, you know, it's been traumatic. I, I, you know, I'd be totally honest. Um, I, I had some athletic goals this summer, and um, I, it was just like the rug was pulled out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. And I have lost six months. I, I, you know, it's like Thanksgiving next week, and I'm still stuck in May. I'm like, what, you know? Um, and I've done, you know, 135 physical therapy sessions, 80 occupational therapy sessions. Uh, at one point I had trouble with speaking. Um, were you pissed off? Were you like, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been through this. Am I mm-hmm. seriously getting another, another thing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's just like, I, and, and, you know, I laugh about it now because, you know, I've returned to work and people are like, Kim, again, I'm like, I have no idea. Talk to the guy upstairs. I'm not in control of this. Um, and I've found humor, humor has been very, um, a very amazing way to heal. Um, but I, yeah, pissed off and um, just exasperated. And uh, I, I really have had some very, very, very low moments because you, it's sort of, like I have to do this again. Like mm-hmm. the last time, it took me two years, and I I don't know if I can go through that again. Um, but the good news is I, I'm my yeah, I'm getting better. I mean, it was two years last time. Now it was just six months. So yeah, you know, I'm getting better at learning to walk again as an adult. Um, have you been able to swim? No, just a little bit. I I tried um, going back to masters last week, and I just sort of. I overdid it, and this is what's been very difficult for me. And I, you know, there are lessons in trauma, and uh, you just—I have learned um, that you just kind of have to surrender to it because possibilities that you might not think um, would just arrive in in your life, and and lessons. And I am someone who pushes. I. And the sort of person, well, if I give this 110%, then I'm going to achieve that. I'm going to give it everything. And I couldn't do that with this. There's a lot of fatigue is a big part of this um, syndrome. And I was sleeping most of the day. And even a visit from somebody would just drain me of energy. I couldn't even just texting. And it was just so draining. And so, uh, you know, when I left the ICU, the, the nurse said to me, she said, Kim, you've got one bank of energy. And every day you get to decide how you're going to spend that bank. And uh, because I could have visitors in the morning and then I'd have to, I'd pay for it later. I'd have to sleep all day long or I could rest in the morning and then do that activity that I wanted to do. And that actually became, so last week I just, I went all out in the pool and it was just, I paid for it. (laughs) So I was exhausted. But what she said to me was very, very, um, it resonated with me um, beyond just the physical sense. It was I started to curate my life and the people that were in my life because I, I did I only had a limited amount of energy. And mm-hmm. so I it was so powerful because I am a people pleaser. I um, like to say yes. And I am learned well, I've learned patience through this experience of not pushing. Uh, I've learned well, I had to stare at my ceiling for many months um, and just lie there and wait for my body to heal, but also just it's okay to say no. It's okay to not have that person in your life. Um, mm-hmm. So that there's, there's been so much beauty in this experience already. And uh, it's it's been very transformative. 
Yeah. How do you, yeah, that's something just so you know, uh, and so the listeners know that is also something that comes up on almost every episode. Like we just, it's something that happens with chronic illness. It's one of the gifts. Like if, if you're down to get the gifts and you're down to like step out of victimhood, then, then you're going to learn how to say no and get your own back and stop people pleasing. Like, (laughs) yep. Yep. I I guarantee there is always a gift in trauma. You just have to be open to receiving it yeah and, yeah uh, it's not easy and, and um you know but I, I i and i think having gone through you know that experience with my leg and other experiences i was equipped with just the right maturity and appreciation and understanding that i i will be able to find my way out of this and i will be rewarded with a gift mm. and it might not be packaged like a gift um but it will be there. And so that has what has really carried me through this experience because, um, again, there, there's a loss of self. Yes. And I'm, and I'm working to rebuild that right now. And uh, it's tiring. It's, um, you, you, it, it, you, it's very easy to sort of, you know, woe is me, like, what? This happened to me again. But uh, I know through these past experiences that, you know, and even the swims, I know that I'm stronger than I think I am. Mm. And that's, that's been the sort of a real beauty of these swims is they're little reminders, um, little treasures that I get to tuck in my back pocket and I get to pull them out and remind myself of something that I can do mm. when I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. Reference points for your incredible yes, strength. Points. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. amazing. Yep. Uh, I'm wondering, does Gui- um I already forgot how to pronounce Guillain Beret. Guillain Beret. Yeah. Does Guillain Beret. Some people say Guillain Beret, but it, it's, I, I've had five neurologists confirm that it's Guillain Beret. Guillain Beret. Okay. <laughs> Guillain Beret. Is it, is it curable? Yeah. So they treated me with antibodies. So I oh, was okay. hooked up right. to an, an IV of antibodies for five days nonstop. Got it. And uh, and so it just yeah. takes time for the fatigue to sort of move through you. And the paralysis. And it's not guaranteed that I'll make a full recovery. Um, I'm still wearing leg braces to walk. Um, and, you know, compared to last time, I really – I just owned it. I had uh, – I was in a wheelchair for a time, and then I had a walker, um, you know, quite a fancy one with a seat and handbrakes. And the old Kim 10 years ago – would have been mortified at the thought of walking down the street uh, in the middle of summer. So you, you know, you're wearing shorts and a tank top with a walker and leg braces. I would never have done that. Mm. But this time I just owned it. And it was actually, there were some really fun moments. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going along my street here in San Francisco and, you know, I'd see some 80 year olds and, you know, we just sort of look at each other with sort of a knowing, like, uh huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I know they were jealous because I basically had the Rolls Royce of, of walkers. That's so and, funny. Uh, and I, I just owned it. I didn't hide my, didn't hide away. I, I um, it, that was very powerful for me um, to just own it and be like, you know what? If you have a problem with how I look, you have no idea the trauma that I've gone through, and I can still smile and. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that that's that's been a huge shift for me because, you know, I'm sure some of your listeners are just feeling like I did 10 years ago where you're just like, I probably look awful. I um, I'm not perfect and I don't want anyone to see me. But there's so much power in owning it mm. because yes. no one knows the trauma um, that you've gone through. And 
if you can just own that, um, it's so powerful. It, it just, I didn't mind at all. I put short shorts on a tank top. I've got my leg braces and I put flame stickers on my walker. And <laughs> um, I just, I laughed about it. I, I just, and that was so freeing to mm. just make fun of it. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it, it allowed other people to be approachable as well because people naturally don't know how to interact. You know, they don't, um, they don't want to ask you what happened to you. Um, but I, I, I found so much freedom in just telling people, I'm like, yeah, I was paralyzed this summer and, and like, what, and now you're walking and, you know, I've had fun with it at work cause I've, you know, I made it very public what I went through, but there are people that don't know. And, you know, they've said to me, oh, Kim, you know, I haven't seen you around. Like, how are you doing? I was like, oh, I was paralyzed this summer. They're like, what? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, how was your summer? So just humor has been, um, a key ingredient for me yeah. for this experience. Amazing. And I want to end I want to end with this because this is something that comes up with a lot of sick people or people that have been sick or or injured or anything. There's so much fear of it happening again, right? Oh, and yeah. something I tell my clients all of the time is and friends is you will never get as sick as you were because you have all of these tools now that you didn't have when you first got sick or injured. And yep. and you're showing that, you know, you were like, yeah, that time it was two years. Now it's been six months because you knew how to do it differently. And you had all of this, I mean, this is, it could be because of a lot of different reasons, but like you, you had this, you had these tools to use that you just didn't have the first time. And that is such a, that is such a comforting thing for somebody like me who does have a lot of trauma and is so afraid Mm -hmm. of like, quote unquote, it happening again, you know? (laughs) So, so to, to just know like, yeah, Yeah. I, I could, I could maybe have a sense of humor about it today where, you know, five years ago getting sick, I had no sense of humor. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I have videos of me in the hospital, just, just making fun of the situation. And, uh, you know, life is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. No moment, like all we have is right now. Um, tomorrow is not guaranteed. So something will always go wrong uh, and it, it will, it could be quite unexpected. Um, so I think to learn to expect the unexpected mm. and really to surrender to this gift that we have of life and we're all packaged differently and each of our journeys are unique and that is what makes us special, each of us. And even the trauma, because that makes you, you. And I believe fundamentally that everything happens for a reason. And I, again, like we talked about these gifts, these lessons and just knowing almost to when something traumatic happens to switch it in your mind and say, okay, well, actually, I'm kind of excited to see what gift I get because mm. <laughs> I'm going to get one. Mm. And um, I know that sounds really weird. No, and, I think uh, it sounds great and it's an so empowering. To just sort of open it, you know, to, 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 to have um, – there's a poem that I love called The Guest House and I can't quote it um, completely, but it talks about sort of inviting even um, the bad stuff into your life. Mm. Um, and – because there is always goodness and you know I don't know why some of us go through more than our fair share of trauma um but I think it actually it it shapes each of us um 
it chisels our soul and 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 allows us to evolve as truly unique humans and i know that a lot of your listeners um are going through you know really difficult times but boy i know each of us have a lot of gratitude mm. and to, you know I, I went through life until i was 30 not being grateful for what i had um, i took everything for granted and there's not a day that goes by that i don't appreciate life yeah well that's a beautiful place to end thank you kim Thank you, Jackie. That's so stunning. I'm going to link to everything, wow. to all of your... Thank you. To all of Did your... Did I give you my website, kimswims.com? Kimswims.com, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, my website, yeah. Um, I have that, and if you want to say anything else to the listeners about where they could find you or if you just have yeah. anything else you want to say. Yeah, no, I I, um, I, I, I thank each of you for um, staying with the whole interview and listening because this has been really cathartic for me. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to process thoughts and feelings that I really haven't really sort of touched upon, but um, I am open to um, communicating with anybody. I, I would love to help as many people as possible. And uh, you know, when you're in these dark moments, that doesn't seem to be a way out, but, um, we all have it in us and it's a test to see how far you can dig. And so I'd be delighted if, if your listeners reached out to me at any point. My website is kimswims.com and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kimberly Swims and it's spelled the Queen's way of spelling Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, Kimberly Swims on Instagram and Twitter. And I wish each of you a wonderful journey through this crazy thing called life. Mm. Thanks, everyone. Stick around for everything I'm about to say after this, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.